4: Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and it's great having you back with me again for this week's show. I really appreciate you allowing the show to be a part of your weekly golf content. I want to send a shout out to the folks over at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, again, my hometown newspaper. Thank you to them, and in particular, Jennifer Batetto, for bringing this show to Trib Live and the Trib Live Podcast Network. It's a dream come true to have this show available again, in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Okay, on to this week's show. I've got four great guests that have great stories and insights that I'm looking forward to them sharing with you tonight. First up is going to be our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. This week, I'll get TP's thoughts on the Ryder Cup, in particular, Zach Johnson's six captains picks that were announced earlier this week. I'll also get his reaction to a video post of Padraig Harrington talking about what separates tour players From the great players who don't make it out on tour, and obviously from the rest of us as well. Looking forward to having TP back as part of the show. He's going to join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from Manitoba Golf Hall of Famer, and one of the most innovative guys in the history of our game, and that's Terry Hashimoto. Terry was a PGA Tour pro for a few years. He later co-founded Body Track Golf. He's now working with a company called Golf Rehab. So he's got so much great information and so many great ways for us to improve our golf swings. I'm really looking forward to getting into the nuts and bolts with Terry when he joins me about 25 minutes from now. Following Terry, I'm going to be joined by 2013 Senior Open Champion Mark Wiebe. I also want to get Mark's thoughts on Zach Johnson's picks as well. I'll also get his thoughts on all the craziness that's going on in the PGA Tour with the PGA Tour and the PIF and the potential partnership with. Those two organizations and all the things that that could mean to the golf world. Really looking forward to getting Mark's thoughts on that as well. He'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. And then we're going to round out this week's show with a visit from former Florida International University women's golf star and now co-host of the new Golf Nation show, Three Courses, and that's Gabby Powell. If you haven't seen Three Courses yet, go to golfnation.com and check it out. She and her FIU teammate, Hannah Leiner, who's going to join me here in a couple weeks as well, They travel to great cities like the one right here in Atlanta, and they ask three questions. Where are we playing? What are we eating? And can I get a drink now? So you get to see a great golf course in each city and a lot of the local flair. Looking forward to having Gabby as part of the show. She'll join me about an hour from now. So we're going to have a lot of fun over the next couple of hours. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. I want to start out tonight by reminding you about our friends at the McLemore, which is a private resort located just south of Chattanooga, high atop Lookout Mountain, Georgia. It's a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the United States by Golf Digest. The 18th hole, as a matter of fact, is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Outpost, is now under construction, which will open summer of 2024. The Outpost is another Bill and reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, with every inch of that edge filled with a goffle. A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both the course and the hotel have incredible views into historic McLemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You gotta see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package today. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability with their fingerprint technology creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel in your hand shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at taylormadegolf.com. Okay, now back in making his 81st appearance with me here on Next on the Tee as our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tom is currently ducking and weaving from Hurricane Idalia. Which is dancing off the coast of West Florida, but no hurricane is as strong as a 60-something New York Italian, which is why Tom is back and next on the T with me tonight. Hey, T.P., how are you, my friend? Fizy boy! <laughs> <laughs> T.P., how are you, my friend? How's the, how are things over there, by the way? This is scary, I'm actually, this hurricane. I'm
1: actually sitting here, cause looking. I got the uh, TV on mute, and we got the weather channel on, and there's this giant blob that's just covering the entire West coast of Florida. We had a band come through about an hour ago. It was pretty strong. Um, it's luckily for Naples. It's, we're really just getting some outer bands and some, you know, we we call them light winds, 45, 50 miles an hour. <laughs> light winds. Uh, it's a of bands. Um, it looks like to me, like Tampa's is going to take the brunt of this thing as far as the state's concerned. Um, so I, I, my prayers and my thoughts, I have a lot of friends up in that area, golf business and, and friends from my college days in that area. So I hope everybody's okay up there. I'm fortunate with them. We, we went through it last year. They're going through it there now. It's never any fun for anybody. It's it's serious stuff. And we kid around about it. But it's like we, we live with these things every year in Florida. Um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully everybody gets through this thing okay.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Our prayers with everybody there on the west coast of Florida. And uh, particularly those that are going to take the brunt of this thing and, and really for the folks in your area, because I know that there are still some folks trying to recover from the one last year that are just right. rebuilding. I hope, I hope none, none of the things that are being rebuilt uh, end up taking damage because that would just be heartbreaking to think that the, the folks have been doing the best they can for the last 12 months to rebuild their, their businesses, their homes or whatever there along the shoreline only to have this come back down and, and, and knock some stuff down. That would just, yeah, be that's, that, awesome.
1: that's a great, that's a great point Chris. there's, there's people in, uh, certainly in Fort Myers and, in, uh, you know, Sanibel Island, that area from last year, from that, uh, don't have a secure roof yet. You know, have a tarp on a roof or half of a roof down, or haven't even gotten any contractors yet, it's been so slow going for some people that, uh, hopefully they don't sustain anything as it passes by Fort Myers.
4: Right. Our prayers go out to all of them and everybody that is along the path of this storm. Thoughts are with you. All right, TP, let's get into the big news of the day because U.S. Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson made his captain's picks this morning. For those who aren't aware, the top six guys based on points, which are really based on dollars, won over the last two years, are automatically in. And those guys are Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, and Xander Schauffele. Zach then picked six guys that he wanted to be a part of the team, and those were announced this morning, and those six are Colin Morikawa, who was 10th in the point standings, Sam Burns, who was 12th, and a guy who won the WGC match play event earlier this year, Brooks Kepka, who was 7th in the standings, and who, oh, by the way, won the PGA Championship, and keep in mind that the Ryder Cup is run by the PGA of America, not the PGA Tour, so I'm guessing not only did Brooks belong on this team in my opinion but the PGA of America may have whispered in Zach's ear oh by the way it would be good to have our champion on the team. Ricky Fowler was also a captain's pick he was 13th in the point standings Jordan Spieth was 8th in the point standings and then a pick that I'm sure is driving the Twitter world crazy but that I love is Justin Thomas he was in and he is 15th on the standings so Zach said of JT by the way He's our emotional leader. He's been the heart and soul of Team USA. In my mind, he was born for this, and you just don't leave JT at home. T P your reaction to all of that.
1: Well, I mean, Chris, I don't envy I I said this last time I was on the show two weeks ago. So I don't envy Zach Johnson's job to to make a choice. You know, I I personally didn't like the picks. Um, you know, guys that, you know, I always want to go to the to the Ryder Cup with the people who have the hottest wand and, and playing the best golf at that time. Um so I, I think the obvious the obvious snubs to me were Keegan Bradley and Uber's Glover. Um, I I I you know, listen, I'm a big Justin Thomas fan. I wanna I wanna say it's fair because I'm gonna take some heat for this comment, but I'm a big Justin Thomas fan, but he would not have even been on my radar screen right now. And I gotta believe that that Ricky Spieth and, and Justin, you know, all did the, uh, the full court press on Zach, you know, we've done this together before. We've got great records together. You know, we bond well together in the room. Keegan is a little bit of an outsider in that deal. I'm sure he got not a lot of points for what he would be in the team room. He's not really part of that crew. Um, and then Lucas, being forty-three, probably you know got a, got a little bit of a snub too. So um, they wouldn't have been. They necessarily would have been. Wouldn't have been my six picks. Um, and again, you, you know, somebody's going to get left out. Somebody who's playing good always gets left out. And he always says, "I will say this: if Justin Thomas and Jordan Speith go to Rome and lay an egg, if I was Zach, I'd go on a long vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Iceland." You know, someplace <laughs> like that, you know, see the Northern Stars or something. Because You better pray to God that those two knuckleheads really play well over there and do some serious points. Because if they don't, um, they're going to take some heat, and Jackson going to take some heat, and it, it, it's going to come back, you know, to, to slap in the face. So I, I don't wish them bad. at least, <laughs> go USA, but uh, they, I hope they play well.
4: Yeah, I mean, and, and that's to your point. If they don't play well, or, or you know, if JT goes out and struggles like he has been, yeah, Zach has really put his neck on the line here. And this is, you know, in, in the sports world today and then the social media world today, to your point of you might want to go hide in Iceland. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to get away from how bad a choice it was. If Justin, if Justin doesn't play well, if, if he and Spieth don't pair well together, there's a lot of heat that's going to come from that. Now, look, in, in defense of, of JT, and I'm a huge JT fan, I mean, for his career, he's 16-5-3 and three in, the, in the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup combined. So he's got a great track record. He just doesn't have a great record this year, which is why I think people were pointing towards a Lucas Glover, who, like I said earlier in the show, if, if the PGA Tour had a player of the month, he probably would have won it for August with those back-to-back wins. And, you know, you talk about the guy with the the hot wand, it would be him. And he didn't play that great in the Tour Championship. But he's playing really well right now. So I I get the defense of you would have wanted to pick him. But, yeah, Zach Johnson has really got a lot on the line. And and people have long memories. If you pick your buddies and your buddies don't come through for you, you're going to wear that for a long time.
1: You know, I think the other thing, Chris, is you know, the day of the Ryder Cup being a you know a layup for your US team is, is long over. We know that. I mean, it used to be kind of a formality that the US team would go wherever they would go and they would kick their ass. Well that that's not the case anymore. And the team on the other side um, is talented. Is talented and they're on their home turf and you know, there's there's, you know, it's, this is this is turned into not an exhibition. It used to be kind of an exhibition. This is not an exhibition anymore. This is real golf. And and there's you know, you know, there's a lot at stake here and there's a big bragging right and and it's it's you know it's serious golf now. Um so to go over there with anybody that's not hitting on all cylinders, I I think is 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 silly. You know, I mean and you're leaving two guys at home in Bradley and Glover that have had, you know, you know, as you said, Glover's had a great month, but a real resurgence, and, and Bradley's had a great year, not a good year, a great year. Um, And have a guy have that good of a year and and get a snub for a guy who's really not playing very well at all. It's it's controversial. It's definitely controversial.
4: Yeah. The thing that I don't envy Zach Johnson for, which I'm guessing happened last night, this early this morning is that phone call to Keegan Bradley. I'm guessing Uh he had to make that phone call to let Keegan know, you know, Hey, uh, I've made the decision. I'm going, you know, with these guys or I, I, I've, made the decision not to include you on the team and and i think human nature for someone like keegan or anybody you would say well who did you go with and then when you hear some of the picks if you're keegan bradley you got to go really that guy and
1: and and bradley i'm going to paraphrase because i don't have a quote in front of me bradley came out with a very classy statement wishing you know you know i'm pulling for team usa but in a backhanded kind of way said, you know, the only way I'm going to get on this team is if I, if I qualified outright, I wasn't going to be on a pick because I wasn't really part of the good old boy network." He didn't say it that way, but you can, if you read between the lines, that's what he was saying. Um, so, you know, that, that, that was a bad taste in everybody's mouth, you know, cause he's pissed. You can tell he's pissed off. He was classy about what he said, but you can tell he's pissed off. And I'd be pissed off too. If I had, if I had the year he had, and, and the Ryder Cup meant to me what I'm sure it means to him and everybody that wants to be on, on the U.S. team. And you got you got snubbed and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas are ahead of you, who have been the last, well, Justin Thomas the whole year, and, and, and Jordan, not particularly in the last two months, have not played very well. I I'd be pissed also, definitely.
4: So... You mentioned that it's been a long time since we've gone over there and won. The U.S. hasn't won a Ryder Cup on European soil since 1993 at the Belfry in England. To give you some frame of reference, not just the 1993, Jordan Spieth was two months old the last time we won. Justin Thomas was five months old. Scotty Sheffer wasn't even born for another three years since the last time we won an away game. So is, is that overblown at all, Tom? I mean, to think that we, in the last, Fifteen away games for for a Ryder Cup, we haven't won. These guys don't, for all intents and purposes, have no idea. They weren't even born when we did it, so they they've seen through their cognitive years us continually lose uh, a a Ryder Cup on European soil, if you will. So this long losing streak is it? Does it weigh on those guys or are these guys? Way too young, weren't even really born. Doesn't really matter. Is that is that overblown or is that really still a thing that they got to carry with them?
1: No, I think I think they definitely carry with them because I think with social media today and being under a microscope the way they are, um, it's 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 even tougher now. I mean, you know, if they w- take social media away, take take how we communicate away today, and maybe they aren't as aware of, of the intensity of the losing streak and you know all the all the emphasis on the losing streak on on foreign soil but they are aware. It's in their face every day they're, they're told about it all the time. They read about it all the time. They see it all the time. And, you know, you know, to both of our points, the Ryder cup now is a big deal. And it used to be, you know, like, like I said, an exhibition, there'd be a few people out there watching and it wasn't really on TV and it's not that way. Now it's like, you know, pardon my expression, but balls to the wall and there's a million people out there. And, and the, when you're on foreign soil, they are yelling and screaming and, carrying on is, It makes it makes the Phoenix open look like you know kindergarten um, so it's different it's really different and, and it's it's a it's a different different environment to play in. it's not like any other environment they play in all year long and there there is no love loss between these two teams for this week I had a phone call this morning with a good buddy of mine who's English from London and he called me this morning I said no we're not talking this week I don't really want to to freaking talk to you this week. You're the enemy click. (laughs) We we do that every two years. It's kind of a running joke, but I really don't want to talk to him. It's to me as a PGA member, a PGA professional and and somebody who loves golf and and loves this country. I want to win the Ryder cup, man. I, I want the Ryder cup here.
4: So to that point, right. I mean, we, we talk about pressure all the time. And the, uh, the major pressure—the pressure these guys are under—in in a regulatory event—that gets ramped up when you're playing in a major. Do you think the pressure at a Ryder Cup is even 1x what it is to to win a major?
1: It's certainly it's certainly equal to a major, Christian. I mean, and people are kind of some people are poo pooing the the Brooks Koepka pick, but guess what? I, and and you know how you and I feel the same way about Live. You're on the same page, you and I. But I can promise you, if I'm Zach Johnson, there would never have been a question that Brooks Keppel was going to be on my team. The guy loves the spotlight. The bigger the light, the better he shines. He's definitely on my team. But to your point, it's every bit the pressure of a major and maybe a little bit more, again, because the environment is so hostile on on foreign soil.
4: So is that an argument for taking a Justin Thomas? Because, again, his record. And the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup is really, really good. 16-5-3. He's been in that world before. He's been in that arena. He knows what it's like. He's been a guy that's really hyped up. uh, You know, the guys that he plays with. The guy's probably in that team room. Is that a, a reason why you can point to, even though he hasn't played well this year, he is a guy that is used to that world and that arena. And maybe that gives you a leg up on, a Lucas Glover who's never been there, and Keegan Bradley who hasn't been there in a decade.
1: Chris, how did he play in the majors this year?
4: Yeah, I, I get it. He didn't play well. Not only, did not,
1: not only did he not play well, he shipped the bet. right? I mean, he, he played awful, you know, and shot some really bad numbers in, in the biggest events. He played maybe his worst golf in the biggest events. And then coming down the stretch when he had a chance to right the ship, and get into the FedEx Cup and, and kind of, you know, you know get things going a little bit at the end wasn't very pretty either. So I don't see any really good indicators right now. I know he's got a great record in the Ryder Cup. He is a great player. He will play great again. But he's not playing great now. So but let me just show you, Mr. Zach Johnson, you better get down on your hands and knees and pray – on your Bible that that man goes to Rome and lights it up. Cause if he doesn't, they're going to light you up.
4: <laughs> so let's talk about the other angle, which is what I mentioned with Brooks Kepka. Again, PGA of America runs this thing. Justin Thomas has won two of those PGA championships, and Brooks won it this year. How much of whispering in the air of Zach Johnson could there have been?
1: I definitely think there's, I definitely think there's some of that. I mean, I think that happens every year you know and i don't know this for a fact i'm just i'm speaking out of school here a little bit but you know the pga of america picks a captain uh they pick him based on his merit based on his record based on who they think he is based on his integrity and then what they should do is just get out of the way i don't think they always get out of the way you know so you know and i'm i'm not going to say any names or point any fingers but you give that guy the, the title of captain and just, just leave him alone. Get out of the way. He knows these guys much better than you do. These national of PGA of America, they're not on tour every week. They're at their clubs doing their job. Zach Johnson spent a year or more of his life talking to these guys, having dinner with these guys, watching them play, playing practice rounds with them. You know, getting in their ear, you know, getting in their friend's ear, getting in their caddy's ear, getting in their instructor's ears, finding out what's really going on. I'm sure he's done his due diligence. OK, again, I'm not crazy about all the picks, but he's put the work in. I'm sure he's put the work in. He And by nature, he's a worker. Zach has a great reputation as a worker. And I think he, want, he, he wants to win as bad as anybody. But I think there's definitely some whispers here and there.
4: I certainly get what you're saying, T.P., and just in summary, I love all of the picks. I love all the guys on this team. Heck, if I were the captain and you let me pick any 12, I would have gotten the 12 back on the team from two years ago, gotten the band back together because they put up 19 points, which was a record, so I'd want to run that back again. But look, I love J.T. I love the energy that he brings to this thing. I get that people are going to question that pick if it goes south. I hope it does not. I hope he's had time to figure out his putting and the other issues that he's had. It's been a few weeks since he's been on the golf course, didn't make the playoffs. We know that, but he's still got another four weeks because the Ryder Cup doesn't begin until September 29th through October the 1st. So he's got time, and I hope he figures that piece out. And all of this plays out perfectly for Zach Johnson, perfectly for JT, and we're singing their praises at the end, but I get that there can be some questions.
1: Hey, Chris, from your lips to God's ears, I'm with you 100%. Listen, whether I like the picks or don't like the picks, once the picks are made, um, I'm telling Team USA all the way. Yep. All
4: right, let's switch gears a little bit, TP. Oh man. You shared a video on Instagram of Padraig Harrington saying that once you get to the PGA Tour level, it's 99% mental. He said, I could find you 10,000 guys who hit it better than any of the guys on tour, and those guys aren't tour players. And I could find you a few guys on tour that are terrible ball strikers, but are great pros. He went on to say at this level, it's all attitude about yourself, about your shots, your self-belief, not getting too high, not getting too low. It's the ones who have the innate ability to enjoy whatever he gets on the golf course that are going to be the ones who have success. Your comment on that was there's a lot of truth in what he said, and I couldn't agree more.
1: Is there, is there a question there?
4: <laughs> just, I, maybe not. Maybe that's just a statement, but I think he's right. And and like you said, a lot of truth in that statement. I'm to sort of get your reaction here on the show.
1: Well, I, I think that listen, you know, I, I played competitively for eight years of my life and I, I, I played with guys and and watched them hit shots. I'm thinking, how in the world did that guy just beat me, you know, in that in that event? He's freaking awful. And and he and he the guy did, and then I watch guys who hit it great. And you know, I, I think this guy's gonna. This guy's gonna lap the field. This guy's unbelievable. And you go in and he's got seventy-seven on the board. So I'm like, he shoots seventy-seven. I mean, that guy just hits it so good all the time. You know, after you hit a golf shot, I think the most important time, Chris, was certainly important pre-shot routine is also important, and, and you know, having being in the right frame of mind leading up to a golf shot. But I really think one of the most important times of of the round is after you've hit a bad shot, immediately after you've hit it, your reaction, you know, is your reaction, you know, is your tail between your legs, you know, is your chin still high? Are you saying, well, come on, let's go, let's go get that up and down? Or you're like, Jesus Christ, I'm terrible. You know, self talk is a big thing. You know, Barbara tells a dear friend, and he once told me, he said, Tom, the worst thing that a person can do on the middle side is hear in their own ears, their own voice saying that they suck you know hear your own voice tell you that you stink uh he says that's the cardinal sin of the mental side the the bad self-talk and i and i and i always embrace that you know i think he's i think he's absolutely right you know i mean there's some guys out there i'm not going to point any fingers that really are not very good ball strikers don't look very good doing it and man they can they can golf their golf ball they can really play um and some guys out there you see from year to year that don't stay out there very long. You go, know, this guy's you know he can't miss. This guy's terrific. He can't miss, and he's out there two years. He loses his card. And you never hear about him again. So there's got to be something to it. I don't think it's 99, percent but I think that 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 Patty that Patty Harrington video that I posted, that I copied and I, I sent to you as well. It really struck a chord with me. You know I I've I, you know I'm 64 years old. And I'm I'm getting an opportunity to play a little bit of golf again and I've been away from it for four years and played my first event in four years about a week ago. And there were more, certainly, I think in in, in, in the the tournament I just played in the first time in four years, there were more mental mistakes made than physical mistakes made. Now the mental mistakes led to physical mistakes, but the cause effect factor, the cause was how I viewed the golf shot, how I viewed the golf course, how I was strategizing, and it led to a, a, you know, a swing error because there was doubt. There it was, it was, was not clarity over every shot. And there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, I think that's something that, you know, by playing more tournaments, I'll get back into that again. I'll, I'll get back into that mode again. I'll make less and less of those mistakes. But that's a, that's a, real, that's a real thing. It's a, it's a real thing. And I think that was a tremendous post that Patty did. And that's why I copied it and shared it because I thought it was real valuable.
4: And, and I agree 100% with everything you just said. I think the part of the statement where he says it's the one who has the innate ability to enjoy whatever he gets on the golf course that's going to, you know, ultimately succeed. You know, when we go back to Ben Hogan, you know, the most important shot in golf is the next one. Right. So to your point about not getting down on yourself, not giving all that self-talk, look, we're all going to hit bad shots in the course of our round, even yeah. the, the the best players hit that shot. But it's what you do from that point on, like you mentioned a moment ago, that's going to determine what you're going to post at the end of the round. Mm -hmm. If you're kicking yourself and you're, you know, you're down on yourself and you're telling you, you know, how how terrible a golfer, you know, I am and I can't believe and all that sort of thing. Even if the ball lands in the trees, Okay. Let's go hit it. Right. Let's, let's, how can I recover from here? What, what's my opportunity to make four or five from here? Let me go try to pull off that shot. And to be excited about trying to pull off that shot. And I think that's where a lot of us fall down is, oh, well, I'm in the trees. Oh, I'm not going to get out. I'm get, I'm probably going to chunk it. I'm going to, you know, it's going to hit this tree. And now I'm going to make eight. And the next thing you know, you make eight. So I think we get what we expect from ourselves. And I think there's just so much negative self-talk in our game that it does. I think I think he's right. I think, you know, I, I, again, I don't think it's 99%, but I think it's the, uh, by and away, the majority of the things is based on how we react when whatever we do, whatever we did with the shot, how we react about it, and how we go about doing the next one.
1: You know the great, the great Jackie Burke. I got to spend some time with him in Houston years ago, and obviously, Masters champion, PGA champion, rider Cup captain, had a hell of a career, and taught so many great tour players later on, and still doing it at 100 years old, which is amazing. Said to me, I went to the first tee every day. Um, Expecting, fully expecting to hit four horrific golf shots in my round. And I looked at and I said, "What?" He goes, "I went to the first tee, expecting to hit four horrific golf shots in my round." But the difference was, I expected them, and I was waiting for them, and I knew when I when I hit them, I had to do something to recover from them, and my hat, my attitude had to be great about making that recovery. And some listen. One of the great things I think amateurs don't realize is sometimes bogey is a great score. Sometimes bogey is a great score. I mean, you hit a bad shot, you're in jail somewhere, and just making a bogey and moving on with the round and accepting that and keep going is a great is a great outcome.
4: So that's a a great point, Tom, because I think one of the things that we tend to do, right? We're we're not putting in the time. We you you always talk about practice and short game, short game, short game. But I think one of the things that we tend to do as amateurs or weekend warriors is when we do hit our find ourselves in the trees or wherever. Well, you know what? If I, I, if I slice this around the corner, There's no, oh, no, and, no, no, no. Oh, no, 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 right. You know, <laughs> and, and it hits and it spins and it jumps and it bounces off the rock and hits this thing and does this other thing. It, I'll, I'll be, I'll be on the green, right? Hey, Chris, so we try to hit the hero shot and Chris, we turn I'm, five and nine yeah, I'm
1: giving a play lesson one day, and this guy you know, who I know is, is a good friend, and I, I work with him for a long time, and he's you know he's kind of a fifteen or sixteen handicap, and he's a pretty good athlete, and he's getting better, and he and on this one particular hole he kind of hits one dead right into the trees, and we kind of ride the cart down there, we get into the trees, and I'm saying, I'm kind of sitting in the cart being quiet, seeing what he's going to do. And he's looking up, and he's, I can see what he's doing. He's looking at this little tiny hole opening up in the tree line. I mean, it's, it's like the size of a thimble. And I don't say anything, and he pulls out a club, and it, it, I said, stop. I said, you didn't get here because you have great control of your club face right now. <laughs> I said, you didn't get, you're not in this location because you're really controlling what you're doing, and you're looking at that opening up there in the trees that's about the size of a thimble. Why don't you turn sideways and hit that ball and just pitch it out in the middle of the fairway, and let's go on from there. And he said, but I think, I said, I don't care what you think. Chip it out to the left over there. It was a par five. Chip it out to the left over there. Let's go on. He chips it out, hits a fairway wood up in front of the green, pitches on the green, he makes a five. I said, do you really think you would have made five at that little, with that little opening you were looking at? I said, you would have had a nine on the scorecard, dude.
0: Yeah. I, just
1: saved you, I just saved you four shots. You know, I mean, you know. You know, you don't hit the ball in bad positions because you're controlling what you're doing, right? So just get back and play.
4: But <laughs> are 90% air, Tom. Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's that other 10% that seems to bother everybody.
4: <laughs> Indeed. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners, as always, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and then get a lesson from you, whether it's online or it's in person? or follow you on social media chris i start my winter season on
1: october 20th at the golf club of crown colony you're number three there there's a director of instruction i'm really excited about that i i was doing some work home today here and i had a day off and and i i already noticed that october november about 75 or 80 percent full so i'm pretty excited about a busy season coming up uh instagram linkedin um facebook all those regular places and of course tompatry.com is the website and um chris i haven't gotten any film from you in a while any v1 film so you're on you're on the hook for that you're, you're behind schedule uh i heard you talking about you know your are putting um you, you need you need help with everything chris so let's get some film in okay please
4: <laughs> thanks for putting that out there <laughs> of, course. of course i do
1: jesus so, God, buddy I, I chris listen before, before i go to bed because you, you got me got pissed my bedtime okay and the rain is kind of pouring outside again here pouring um i thank you for having me on 81 times you know 81 is a lucky number because 1981 was the ncaa 1981 was the Richardson amateur memorial 81 was two college victories besides that ncaa so 81 is a good number for me so I'm, this is a great show for us and i so appreciate you having me on and, and you doing a hell of a job and all of us out here love you and appreciate what you do well, i appreciate you saying that
4: i I'm very blessed to have great people like you as part of the show and uh, 81 times is, is unbelievable, but yeah, 81 is a lucky number in the Tom Patrick, uh, history. So I'm glad we got to share it. Thanks pal. Take care my friend. We'll catch up soon. Thanks buddy. See you Tom. That is the great Tom Patrick. P A T R I is the spelling of his last name. Tompatry.com at Tom Patrick golf on Instagram. He is just one of the all time greats in the golf business. You get to hear why every other week. and We are so blessed to have him 81 times as a part of this show. I can't thank him enough. He's meant a tremendous amount to me over my time doing this show, particularly over the last five or six years, whatever it's been, that uh, I've been privileged to have him every other week as part of the show and our resident director of instruction. A finer man you will not find than Tom Patry. Very blessed to have him. Can't wait to catch up with him again in a couple of weeks. Okay, coming up next is going to be one of the most inspirational and innovative guys in the history of our game, and that is Terry Hashimoto. Before I get to Terry, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year, and I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say.
2: An average player... I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58.
4: There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full-face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arco's and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arco's Caddy when you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to construct.com and that's dot com and use code Chris for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is Terry Hashimoto. Terry is the co-developer and founder of Swing Balance and Body Track Golf, which is what most great golf fitting companies instructors use. When you go get fitter, you're taking a lesson. Tom Patry, I know, has it in his home studio. Terry is originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba. He was named Manitoba Amateur Golfer of the Year three times and was a finalist five more times from 1976 to 1998. In 98, he won Manitoba's Provincial Amateur, Mid-Amateur, and Match Play titles. He was named Golfer of the Year in 1976, 1980, and 1998. In the years he didn't win, he was still a finalist every year from 1978 to 1985. He was also a nominee for Manitoba Athlete of the Year in 1998 in recognition of him winning all three amateur major titles. He played his college golf at the University of Miami on a scholarship, and he won seven college tournaments while he was there. He was low amateur in the Pan Am Open Tournament and served as team captain of both the junior and senior teams when he was at Miami. He earned his degree in finance. At the age of 17, he placed seventh in the Junior Orange Bowl Tournament in 1975. He became a PGA professional in 1986 and was club pro at Bell Acres Golf and Country Club. He played on the Canadian Tour from 1986 to 1988, finishing 8th in the Canadian PGA Championship in 86 and 17th on the Order of Merit in 1988. Terry was inducted into the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame in September of 2012. He's also worked with our friends over at Squares Golf. He is now working with a company called Golf Rehab. He is one of the most sought after people in the golf industry. And I couldn't be more honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Terry, thanks for coming back on
0: the show. Hey, Chris, thanks very much. And big hello to Next on the Tee Nation. Good uh, evening.
4: I, I appreciate you, Terry. <laughs> so Terry, you're one of the busiest guys probably in the history of the golf industry. I know you've got a, a lot of projects that you're currently working on. Like I say, you're you're with golf rehab, now doing some great things. Catch us up. What's been going on with you?
0: Well, I um sold the swing and balance AI to an investment group down in San Antonio last year almost a year to the month, and um, they are in the process of taking that and making it global for AI shaft fitting using load on load pressure patterns that we can capture on the body track pressure mat. And so that was exciting, and then Simultaneously, I've been working on a project called Golf Rehab, and it's not about rehabbing the golfer uh, when they're injured. It's about rehabbing the way you train so that when you train properly, you're actually finding the correct positions and developing the proper pressure patterns so that you can optimize your game when you're training. And we're looking for alternative use of SIM sim times uh, because, as you know, golf simulators have just exploded in, uh, in the world all over, really.
4: Terry, I, I know you say it's not really about health, but one of the things that I've heard you say and the things that I've read about golf rehab is the, the ability to co- recover from a concussion. And one of the things that's good for for that is walking on uneven surfaces. And what's a better uneven surface for people to go out and walk on than a golf course? Talk about that.
0: Well, I mean, we were in the concussion business when we were developing a body track and uh, it was called Head Health. Um, as I'm sure many of your uh, viewers are aware uh, concussion business isn't very good because a whole bunch of reasons. Number one, the team doesn't really want to know the players don't really want to know the coaches don't want to know. And the liability issue is uh, very real. And, and, you know, the, the, coaches will tell their players, I mean, they won't say this publicly, but you know what, if you don't get up, there's another guy behind you You to take your job. And, um, we we looked at it we can we can actually measure your balance with the pressure mat it's called the CTSIB test the clinical test of sensor, sensory interaction of balance it's very quick takes about 30 seconds and we can actually accurately measure your total sway in all three directions x y and z and we can give you a great uh, so we can make strong recommendations whether you should go back onto the field of play and or stay off and um we just, it was a frustrating, uh, it was a very frustrating scenario of uh, of trying to get that initiated into both the NFL, the National Hockey League, uh, regional, uh, local sports teams, and so on and so forth. It's just not really there. But having said all that, in our dealings with neurologists, and I, I they'd ask me, you know, they they say, well, you're not really, you don't have any street cred. But you're here, What what's your thoughts on concussions? And I said, well, look, to me, the uh, number one way to recover from any concussion is the proprioception from walking on uneven surfaces. And the last time I checked, that's called a golf course. And, you know, it's amazing that how many hockey players that I've known over my years in Canada and the United States, all they do in the off-season is play golf, and you just know those guys are concussed. I mean, there's no way you can go a season in the National Hockey League or in the NFL and not be concussed to some degree. You know, hopefully not too bad where you can't even walk. But um, walking on uneven surfaces is, a, is one of them, in my opinion. And, and the neurologists actually agreed. They said, yeah, that's brilliant. You know, that actually makes sense.
4: Terry, switching gears a little bit, and I've had many of your peers, many of the top instructors in our game on this show, and I've heard a lot of swing theories, a lot of swing mechanic thoughts, and I heard you say something recently that really blew my mind. And, and that is what initiates the backswing is your lead toe. Help me with that.
0: Well, you know, in the old days, I think Hogan had it right. He broke it down to five moving parts, hands, arms, shoulders, hips, and legs. And he suggested that the hands pull the arms, the arms pull the shoulders, shoulders pull the hips and the hips pull the legs. So hands back and legs down for... The downswing. So the so hands pull the arms, arms pull the shoulders, shoulders pull the hips, and hips pull the legs. That makes sense. That, in my opinion, was the beginning of the kinematic sequence. And what we did is we took. But Hogan didn't have the tools, right? Like he he didn't have the the tools that we could use to measure objective data. And when we started um, using Biotrack, I mean, the one thing I really, you know, but disturbs me is when, you know, if I ask a golfer. How do you initiate your backswing? And the overwhelming majority of the people that I've asked that question to don't have a clue. They might say, well, I move my legs, I move my head, I move my hips, they don't know what they're doing. But would you ever get into a car and just put it in drive before you started it? Can't do it, it won't work. You gotta, just put, you gotta, you gotta press on the brake, You know, uh, start the engine, power goes from the battery uh, to the starter, starter turns the crankshaft up and down, blah, 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 blah but you start the car before you put it in drive. So how do you initiate your backswing? So in Hogan's day, it was the hands. And, 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 you know, nowadays we can research that. And I did do all that work and it's the lead toll um, that actually initiates the, um, the backswing. And, you know, that allows you to isolate an area of your body that you can focus in on. It almost becomes like a psychological trigger. I mean, you always want to do something. Every, every sports psychologist and every athlete that I know, either subconsciously or consciously, if they've studied a little bit, they have a psychological trigger. And in this case, it's a physiological trigger, which actually initiates your backswing, which is basically the pressure in your lead toe moving to your trail heel.
4: So yeah, I'm so I'm, I'm I'm trying to visualize that like even when my own swing when I heard that I'm like is that do I press down with my big toe or anything before I start? But I, I guess if if I were standing on if anybody was standing on a body track, right? We would see increased pressure there in the lead toe before the hands initiate the backswing is that is that kind that, of that a visual? A,
0: that, that, that is 100% accurate, Chris. And you know, Hogan had a happy feet you know, I don't want to look too far back because um, it, they're not all relevant to today's modern golfer. But the modern golfer, the overwhelming majority of them move left, right, left, right, left, boom, take it back. And the pressure from the uh, left, which is their lead side, if you're a right-handed golfer, from the lead toe to the trail heel, that that is, that is initiated prior to the commencement of the hands going back. But what's really interesting, the modern golfer, I call it the five fundamentals of modern golf. The, uh, in terms of pressure mapping, the five modern principles of pressure mapping are simple. Great golfers set up a little bit stronger on the lead side, 55-60, depending on where they're from. If they're from Texas or the UK where it's windy, they may even set up 65-70. Um, the very first thing we noticed, which was different than anything we had ever seen, was that when your lead arm is parallel to the ground on the way back, which is around P3, For a good player, the pressure is already beginning to move forward. So let's not confuse the top of the swing with pressure mapping, which when a good player takes the club back, almost immediately the pressure is moving forward. How much pressure they get to the trail side depends on the length of the club, 55-60 for a wedge, for example, with the driver all the way up to 80-90. But at P3, what's really interesting, the greatest players in the world will put more pressure into their trail heel. They'll have 55, 60% of their pressure in their trail heel. So imagine this, pressure goes back to the trail side when their lead arm is parallel on the way back, they're pressing more into their trail heel. And that's what initiates the pressure to move to the lead side. Now that's interesting because the toes are the braking mechanism of your foot, the heels are the acceleration portion of your foot, and your ankles are the shock absorber and propulsion system of your foot. So, this all began to make sense. I mean, God gave you 10 toes for our reasons, and they're there for stability and braking. But if you're accelerating through your braking mechanism, which are the toes, the number one pressure flaw in golf is too much pressure in the toes. You, that's when you're coming over the top, you're getting into toes. Old guys like me don't get pressure to the lead side fast enough. And young guys, Back up prior to impact. Those are the three top pressure flaws in golf. And with golf rehab, we address them all in your training programs.
4: So let's break down some of the things you just said. Sure. I talk about the feet, and the heels are the accelerator, toes are the brakes. And that makes sense to me. We, counter, we counterbalance, right? With, you know, if we're getting too far out, we're, we're trying to stop ourselves with our toes and, and the heel being the place where we're pushing off, trying to get the pressure. But how can how can we get our weight transferred to our lead side if our weight is staying back longer on our heels?
0: Well, you can't. And, and, and th- that, that's that's an interesting discussion. Um, so it was David Lee uh, who wrote a book, I believe, called Gravity Golf from Arkansas that really brought the notion of counterfall or what we call counterbalance to light. And then Alex uh, J. Morrison, who was Jack Grout's mentor uh, back in the early, in the late 30s, I believe, wrote a book called Centrifugal Golf. And he talks about it, a little bit about it, too. I didn't come up with the notion. We just validated it. And that pressure in your trail heel, you have to push off your trail heel to your lead side in order to accelerate properly. Uh, you don't keep it back there. That's the number. That's the. That's. Uh, the number two pressure flaw in golf, which is old guys like me, do not get pressure to the lead side quick enough. Now, Chris, the number one way to gain distance and low point ball control is to get pressure to the lead side early and have the strength and stability to keep it there. And I can say that, you know, if I had a hundred beers in me, because I've we've studied it so carefully, and it's absolutely a truism. I, I I've learned over the years not to say anything that we can't validate, and every single major tour player that we've ever, every single tour player that we've ever seen that won a major, and or just a regular tour player that's doing really well and won tournaments, they all get pressured to the lead side in and around P3, and for the audience that don't know the position numbers, P3 is when the lead arm is parallel to the ground in and around on the way back during your backswing. So That's how fast they're getting pressure. Now, Chris, a short story right to the point. I was doing a seminar down in Miami about seven years ago, and this fellow had just before me had posted up uh, a picture of of six or seven golfers, how the tops of their swing all looked different. And true enough, they did. So I was the next speaker. So I was scrambling to pull up the pressure traces of four of the guys, of the six or seven that he had up there, and I was able to put it together quick enough. And I said, they all look different at the top, but their pressure pattern and in particular the pressure going forward in around P3 was consistent in all the players that I happen to have the traces that he was showing in a in a slide earlier to my being on on the presentation. So you know the physiol your physiology determines how your swing looks. You can You know, you can be like me and your swing can look really bad, but uh, if you have a good trace, you're optimal for you.
4: So, yeah, so that's, uh, I'm really trying to, you know, kind of piece this together in my own swing, because if my weight is more on, on my lead foot at P3, and and I've heard you say, you know, by the time for most good players, by the time your hands reach the top of your backswing, the majority of the weight is on, on your lead foot. For me, it's, it's on my trail foot. So well, that's I, I,
0: you're in my category which is you're not getting pressure to the lead side quick enough but let's not confuse weight with pressure um and 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 you know it's funny because Bob toski was my coach down in Miami and uh, he used to teach us back in those days in the late 70s to set up 6040 on the right side on the trail side so you know when he was around 89 90 we were down in st Andrews uh, having breakfast with him and and um, we went to his to his range with Scott Harding, and um, uh, I set up Bob on the pressure mat. He set up sixty forty on the lead side, and I, 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 you know Bob, so I won't tell you what he said. You can imagine what he said, and <laughs> and, and, and and, but he hit it great. And at the let's not confuse weight because I don't want to confuse the audiences. But your center of mass, which is basically your weight, is in and around your belly button. You can stand still and tap your feet left, right, left, right, and you'll see the pressure moving side to side. The center of pressure is the average of all gravity um, as you stand on the mat between both feet. So it's a little bit different than weight. But to your point, um, if all your weight's on your trail side, I I can use the word weight too. And uh, well, before you start your downswing, you're probably late getting the, the weight and the pressure to the lead side. And will result in less low point ball control and not optimal distance. That hundred percent.
4: So how do we do that? How do we get the pressure into our into our lead side when we're only at P three, where where our arm is parallel, our arms are parallel to the ground? That's that seems like I I, I can't even fathom how I, I get would it. do I, that.
0: I get it. And I get it. And and I'll give you a, a couple of examples of. You know, obviously, the step drill is one of them. That's a very good drill to to work on. Uh, And that's an old drill. Uh, Another one is we call it squish the bug, where you just really press hard on your lead foot as soon as you take the club back. But the one drill that's really consistently worked well for us, and we've done this hundreds of times, if not thousands of times, we really get the golfer to lift their trail toe off the ground and hit a few balls with the toe off the ground. They're going to have trouble with this. They're going to, what they're going to do is they're going to immediately on the way down go into the, they're going to put their trail toe down, but literally lift your trail toe off the ground and try hitting a few shots. Now, David Lee was a gentleman that I really respected. And um, he had some incredibly crazy drills. But one of the drills that he had his athletes and his golfers do was to take both toes off the ground, almost put their feet together and hit balls and they hit the balls as hard as they could. And uh, it's an unbelievably good drill, but to make it more easy for the average golfer, is, and even better players who are just struggling with this, just lift your trail toe off the ground, keep it there, and take a few swings, I think you'll be surprised. I think you'll be sincerely surprised. And if, if you had access to a pressure mat, what you would see is that the pressure would be moving forward sooner than in your previous swing.
4: So by taking your toe off the ground, am I still, is my heel still down on my, on my trail leg, or, or am I taking it yeah, off leave, leave,
0: leave that trail heel down uh, for the entire length of the swing, because now what I've done, Chris, is I've removed the braking mechanism on your trail side. So yeah. now you're, now I've taken the brakes away from your right foot if you're a right-handed golfer, your left foot if you're a left-handed golfer. We call that the back foot. We call the trail side, as you know. So I'm taking the break away from from the athlete, from the golfer, so that they have to press into their trail heel. Now, what's interesting, Chris, and, you know, I did this with – the first time we saw this was with Gary Halbert down at Calusa Pines down in Naples near where Tom is, and he was really struggling. He was going way too deep into his trail heel. He was like at P3. He was like 80 90% to his trail heel, and – what happens is that Turing pros, have, they're, they're of the, well, when they're in trouble, sometimes the Turing pros get too much pressure into their trail heel in and around P3. Now, that's the exact opposite for the average golfer and the average amateur. They'll get too much pressure in their trail toe uh, in and around P3, and that forces them to uh, swing over the top. Now, listen, path always follows pressure. So if I can keep the pressure somewhere near your the, the, uh, the ball of your trail foot, more towards the ball and where the heel is, there's, there's two transverse arches, the transverse uh, proximal arch, which is where the ankle joins the foot, and the transverse distal arch, which is where it's uh, really by the ball of the foot. And if you can keep the pressure in that area with your toes just slightly off the ground, you will accelerate quicker to the lead side. And we've proven that with science over the last 11, 12 years.
4: So Terry, for those of us that are north of 50, or yeah. someone like my father who's about to turn 80, you mentioned, you know, we, we're not getting that weight transferred. We're not getting that pressure transferred into our lead foot quick enough. How right. can we do a better job of that? And is that, you know, as you talk about that, that drill with keeping the toes off the ground, is that good that, for... That- for everybody, whether you're 50, 80 or 20,
0: uh, It's exceptional drill period, but yes, that's good for everybody. and by the way, our market is exactly that 45 to 75. I'm 65 um, uh, while well, I'm coming up on 66 in March next year, and, and you know, I had a tremendous distance loss over the last couple of years, but I've gotten it all back, and we're working with training programs, you know, um, regardless of your age. Golf, like, like I don't play a lot of golf anymore. I've only played maybe 118 and maybe two nines this year, but I've been, but I but I hit balls every day. I train for literally uh, two and a half hours, sometimes three hours a day uh, inside. And then I go outside to hit a few shots just to make sure that I, you know, I'm still hitting it to a proper target. But my distance has gone up significantly. Uh, like, I mean, I'm hitting my seven iron. My goal is 180, my six iron one. I'm hitting about ball 175. My goal is 185. I'm carrying my driver an honest 265 to 280. My goal is, you know, a little higher than that. But I'm using all the tools that we've developed. Where you know, speed training is super, regardless of your age. You might not be, but you gotta do it right. Like we use super speed, we use the SAC system, we use Mach 3, we use Jeff Donis's tools, the Rotex Motion, tsunami bars. We use it all. And um, but we've learned through science how to use those tools in a way that's a little different. We call, We want to be, we call it Need for Speed, the N4S. We want to be the AMG of speed training, and speed training can be done regardless of your age.
4: So, Terry, I mean, everything now is about speed, club head speed, ball speed, those sorts of things. By doing what we've just talked through and you're talking about trying to gain more distance, is that all sort of interconnected if I can keep my you know the 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 pressure the way we've talked about doing right and we can keep from going over the top early release that's my problem Tom Patch will tell you that's my yeah. problem I've got an early release problem which is all around you know keeping my butt still um, yeah but is is all of that stuff connected? If I do the things that we've just talked to and work through those drills, is the natural yeah. output of that going to end up being more clubhead speed?
0: Uh, yes, but I'm going to talk to you about that. So clubhead speed to me is not as relevant as ball speed and smash factor. I mean, we are. Folk, I, I can show you tons of examples. In fact, I just recently posted where a, a higher clubhead speed doesn't always result in more yardage. You have to focus in on doing the drills correctly. Now, listen, I, I, I'm adamant about this because uh, I, I, to the extent I'm not trying to create an argument, but we're not bringing any new golfers in uh, really uh, as much as we are trying to hold on to the status quo. Uh, we think that golf is such a complex series of motions that anybody uh, who's struggling from any, any issue, any vestibular issue, any balance issue, you should do a speed training program with us, learn how to... Move, uh, learn how to use your your feet in the proper manner, so that you can have, uh, you can walk better, you can have better balance, and you'll get stronger in 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 your range of motions with your hands, your your wrist, your elbows, your shoulders, your your hips, your knees, and your feet and ankles. And we're bringing, we have got, we brought in MDS, uh, PhDs to understand this on uh, on a more anatomical and physiological ba- uh, basis, so we can also begin to share this with physical therapists, occupational therapists, medical practitioners, and the likes. But you, speed training is old as uh, golf is. I mean, guys would always use a weighted club, for example, but if you're doing it all on your toes, you're probably not benefiting from it. And yes, to answer your question specifically, if you follow um, uh, the 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 protocols that we've established through pressure mapping, uh, your your father, you, and I will all gain distance. Everybody will, uh, and because path always follows pressure, and and if you're in the right pressure pattern, your path is going to be basically either linear or inside from the inside path, and that's what is going to give you um, a, a better smash factor and stronger and uh, better contact consistently.
4: So let me ask you a little offshoot of, of this, because as you've talked about tonight, we can go back all the way to Sam need. He, he talked about how you, you build the golf swing from the ground up. You develop yeah. body track with that same sort of notion. Our mutual friend, Bob Winskowitz at, at Squares developed yeah. those shoes with that same sort of philosophy. I know you worked with Bob for a while. Talk about, do the Square shoes, in fact, help us generate more speed?
0: No question. Uh, You know, and and in fact, it was Sam Steed, one of his playing Colonial, that it's hard to find the video of it. He talks about when he's struggling with his golf game, he takes off his shoes and he curls up his feet and hits the balls. And the cool thing about Bob Winsco with shoes, the the square shoes, is that they give you a lot of room in your toe area so that your toes are freed up to do what they need to do, which is to really um, not put any pressure on the toe area when your toes are crunched in because of the uh, the toe area of the shoe is kind of arced, uh, you you really have no uh uh option but to, your your toes are curled down into the ground like a like a eagle uh pouncing on a fish and and in reality when you see that eagle lift off if they miss the fish their claws are neutral or pointing up and and that's what you want you want that that freedom in your toes we did a lot of research with with bob shoes it was right during COVID and um, we had nothing to do. So, uh, you know, there was, we didn't know what was going to happen. No one did. So we took on the job basically uh, gratis initially, and we we were blown away. Like we were seeing results. Like we saw the center of pressure in the shoe, standing at rest, move up to two or to three inches more towards the heel of the foot than any other shoe that we compared to the games. And that uh, Chris Uh, was uh, made us a believer because we had known for years that if we can get the pressure more towards um, the heel of the foot at address, we have a better chance for better counterbalance. We have a better job, a better chance for acceleration to the lead side. And we've done our tests. Uh, The square shoes are for real.
4: Harry, before I let you go, remind our listeners again, how can we stay up to date with all the great things you're working on, whether we're following you online or it's on social media?
0: I would follow me on Instagram, Terry Hashimoto, or Facebook, because we are about to launch some unbelievable things. We're integrating inertial measuring units to body track. Uh, We're building uh, biofeedback systems for pressure mapping systems. Uh, Our training programs are going to be crazy. And like I said, Chris, we are the AMG of speed training. And just follow Terry Hashimoto on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, because We're going to give people updates as to where they'll be able to go for these uh, uh, speed training specific programs. And I just got to say uh, how thrilled I am to be on the next on the T-Nation. Chris, I wanted to be on the show for a long time. Thank you very much for letting letting me be here.
4: Harry, it's always a privilege to get to spend some time with you. And I mean it sincerely. You're one of the great innovators of our time in the golf industry. Thank you for what you continue to do. And I hope we get the privilege of hearing more about it you know, over the next couple of months, I'd love to have you back.
0: Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it.
4: Take care, Terry. All the best junior family. We'll catch up soon. See ya. Bye-bye. That is the great Terry Hashimoto. Again, follow him on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn at Terry Hashimoto. H A S H I M O T O is the spelling of his last name. He is one of the great professionals that we have. He's a great PGA professional. Again, he's in the Manitoba golf hall of fame for a reason folks. He was a great player. He's a great instructor. And now he's turned to the technology side. And you're hearing about the great things that he's doing. There's a lot of math and a lot of technical uh, terms in there. But the bottom line is, follow him and see the great way that he is showing us all how to improve the weight distribution, the pressure distribution of our golf swings. Tom, Tom Patrick will be the first to tell you, I'm I got a problem with early extension. Terry talks about that too, keeping your butt still. And then keeping that pressure in the, in the heel and the balls of your feet there and not on your toes, combine all of that together and you can hit better golf shots. So again, he, he helped develop the body track, which everybody uses now. So it's very important for where your pressure distribution is. Terry talked an awful lot about that. Hopefully we get to get into and pick his brand a little bit more. Again, like he said, a lot of great stuff coming up. I can't wait to hear more about it. Coming up next is going to be a guy who's become a wonderful friend of the show over the years, and that is 2013 Senior Open Champion, Mark Wiebe. Before I get to Mark, I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms. Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R dot com. Two Under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course. So, make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scony changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too. So, spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXT on T20. So, next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's skoni.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at Golf Specialty Retailers and Greengrass Pro Shops Nationwide.
1: Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in.
4: Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Now back and making it an even dozen times with me here on Next on the Tee is 2013 Senior Open Champion and now one of the top instructors in our game, Mark Wiebe. Let me remind you about Mark's background. He's from Seaside, Oregon and grew up in Escondido, California. Played his college golf at Palomar Junior College and then transferred to San Jose State. While at Palomar, he was the individual medalist at the 1977 California and Idaho Amateur Championships he was named second-team All-American in 1979 at San Jose State. That season, he and Don Levin won the Silverado Invitational at Napa, California. Mark turned pro in 1980 and started playing out on the PGA Tour in 1983. His first career win came at the 1985 Anheuser-Busch Classic when he beat our friend John Mahaffey with a birdie on the first playoff hole. Mark won again the following year at the 1986 Hardy's Golf Classic in 2007, he matched Bobby Watkins' record for being the youngest winner on the Champions Tour at 50 years and 10 days old when he won the SAS Championship. In 2013, he won that Senior Open Championship at Royal Birkdale, defeating Bernard Langer on the fifth playoff hole. Later in 2013, he captured the Pacific Links Hawaii Championship in a playoff over Corey Pavin, and in all, he won eight times as a professional, twice on the PGA Tour, Five times on the Champions Tour plus the 1986 Colorado Open. He's a great guy who's become a wonderful friend. And I'm thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Hey, Chris, how are you, buddy? Well, uh, 12 times, that's crazy.
4: (laughs) I can't be more thrilled to say say that you've been on this show 12 times. My appreciation, my friend. Of course. So the most important thing we're going to talk about tonight is the new grandbaby. How's your new grandbaby doing?
2: Well, that was the fifth one. Uh, we we went from zero to five. It seemed like in a pretty much of a flash. Uh, that was the most recent one. That's our youngest, my baby, our youngest daughter, uh, and her little girl, Charlie, is doing great. And they live in Chicago, so Kathy just was back there helping out for a week or so, and. Just got home recently and everybody's doing awesome. It's been a whirlwind, obviously, for uh for everyone in our family because we're we're still pretty tight. Uh and it's, it's just been awesome. That's all I can tell you. It's just what a thrill.
4: So when's grandpa gonna uh, get her first set of clubs uh, measured for? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, we've got it's funny, we've
2: got uh our oldest daughter has girl boy girl gunner has a little girl and now our youngest has a little girl our youngest daughter collier so we have a whole bunch of girls but we do have one boy uh not that girls won't be playing golf but uh Bo seems to be so far the athletic dude of the bunch
4: so you mentioned your son gunner and he's been playing awfully well as of late talk about how he's doing well, he's doing
2: great. He's finding his way. It's been a uh, you know, for the highs and lows of golf are all, what he's all about this year on the uh the DP World Tour. He's uh he qualified in and had a great start, had a couple top 20 finishes uh in Australia and then went on a where he played decent golf but missed the cut by one shot I don't know too many times to count uh, and went through the Aches and pains, and then uh, had a great finish at the uh, British Masters, and finished tied for second. and uh, And now he's back at it again this week. He's in Switzerland, and they start on Thursday. So he's doing great. He's like I said, he's he doesn't know any of these courses. So when I say he's finding his way, he's really finding his way. He's he's playing against guys. Most of the guys he's playing against anyway are. Or guys that have played these courses many times, several times over the years. And uh, and they kind of, you know, the nooks and crannies, the more you play a golf course, uh, you find out way more about it and, uh, and different weather conditions and, and such. So he's literally finding his way uh, and he's doing good. He's doing real good. He's, we've been actually this morning, I was up early and we were, uh texting back and forth, and he's sending me some videos, and I'm kind of looking at the videos, and we're talking about how his swing looks and positions and uh everything. so uh, but he's doing great. Yeah, thanks for asking.
4: and Mark, I, I always listen to PGA tour radio when I'm on my way home from work, and to my surprise, not that long well, ago, on the Rocco Hour, I heard sort of a familiar voice. The familiar voice was you. Is that going to yeah. become a regular thing for you? Uh,
2: you know, I, nobody's asked me. I don't really know how to go about that. Uh, I, I, just, I text back and forth with Rocco a lot. And I, I follow him on his, on his little reels, things that he does on Instagram. And I, I'll comment. I'll send him, you know, instead of sending him direct messages all the time, I'll just text him directly to his phone and say, hey, man, uh, one time, I said, "Get your eyes over the ball. Your eyes are way too far out when you putt. You're you're beyond the ball." And then he, you know, so we have a little banter back and forth. But in in our little banter back and forth, he said, "Hey, will you come on the show?" And I said, "Sure." So he said, "Will you do the whole hour?" And I said, "Sure. What whatever, man." He said, "We need we need to uh, talk stories and stuff." So it was a, you know, we go back in time a little bit. He's on the younger side of my my particular generation, but we still were in that era together. So that was fun. I would love to, uh, pursue that. I'm not sure quite how to do that yet, but I know that my manager is looking into that even as we speak. So
4: well, that's awesome be, because you would be great at it.
2: Well, you're nice. Thank you for that. I, I don't know about that, but I could probably try to learn how to do it. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd be great. Well, thanks, buddy.
4: Mark, I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, the big news in in golf today was Zach Johnson's captains' picks for the Ryder Cup. What are your thoughts on on him picking Kepka, Morikawa, Fowler, Spieth, Burns, and Justin Thomas?
2: Uh, well, first of all, I, I don't envy his situation. Uh, what a tough decision that had to be for Zach, uh, or, or or not. It would be for me. I, I just that's a that's a tough one because you have guys that, you know, not too long ago that wasn't at the top 10 that were exempt and you had two right. picks. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have a hard time with all of a sudden having six picks and all of a sudden not giving the consideration to seven, eight, nine, and 10, or or maybe he did give them consideration. I, I probably felt, I felt bad for whoever finished in that top. 12 that didn't get to, to be on the team. That's, that's a tough one. You know, you play all year and you, you grind and you grind and then you grind till you think you've grinded all you can grind. And then you, you go some more. And that, that doesn't mean you always get what you want. You don't always finish in the top 12, but why you know, I, I'm a, that's hard. That's a hard one. I felt, I felt really bad for Keegan Bradley. I, uh, I I really felt bad for him. I'm I'm all go USA and I want obviously our team to thrive and 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 end this slide from uh our away matches. Uh but I got to tell you my heart went out for Keegan Bradley uh just cuz he's expressed how much he wants that and and how well he's played over the last 2 years and with two wins and even went as long as he could, as far as he could. I'm sure he's exhausted emotionally, uh, even in the Tour Championship. He was in this tournament the last two weeks. The last two of, uh, FedEx weeks were, he was kind of in the hunt there uh, during the week. So, uh feel bad. Uh, I really feel bad for him. And I I feel bad for the, like I said, I think it was Cameron Young that right was the, one that was in there that didn't make it.
4: Yeah, I felt I felt bad for both of those guys. I also felt a little bit bad for Lucas Glover. I get I get the idea that, you know, he won back to back weeks and it was, you know, in the playoffs and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, he was player of the month. He he would probably if we had one of those, he he probably would have won it for August. Um, But yeah, I felt bad for those three guys. Look, I'm I liked all the guys that he picked just because I'm I'm a huge Jordan Speed, Justin Thomas. Fan, um, and I wanted to see those guys get an opportunity to play together again. And look, Justin's got a great record in the Presidents' Cup and the Ryder Cup, and he and Jordan have a great record together. And uh, you know, let's get the band back together and go. Heck, if I, if if I, you know, to your point about the tough decision, if it were me, I would have really wanted to go back and look at the team from two years ago and just take all of those guys. I get that other guys right. qualify and in the top six, but why mess up something that works so well? Give me those, give right. me those twelve guys. Well, let's go do it again. So, yep. but uh, yeah, I I'm with you. I think that's, that's a tough spot for a guy to be in. And, uh, I think he did fine with, with who he brought.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know what, in the, in the big picture, I'm not sure there was a bad pick,
4: uh, that, that he
2: could have made. I don't know what he could have done. That would have been a bad move other than taking, you know, obviously somebody that wasn't in the mix, uh, but the, out of the players all the players that were in the mix and that includes the live tour and the PGA tour and whoever else was good enough to be considered uh yeah that's a, uh i don't think there was a bad there was a bad selection there i think we have a killer team obviously it's awesome uh, and i hope it's good enough <laughs> yeah me too
4: <laughs> Mark the other upheaval in our game, right, has just been this whole PGA tour partnership, whatever you want to call it with the PIF. And what'd you think when you heard the news that after eighteen months or so of don't go over to live, don't take the Saudi dirty money, we support the nine eleven families, all of that sort of thing. And then we wake up one Tuesday morning and suddenly they're partners.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah i am I'm, I'm not a fan of the way this whole thing went down i I can't even believe it's legal actually for our commissioner to make a call like that just uh, i mean okay, maybe it wasn't overnight, but it sure seemed like it was overnight and uh after all the running around and bad mouthing and then all of a sudden your your partners uh I question all of that now, I will tell you i'm not i I watched the live and I watched the tour because I like watching golf, so I don't have any animosity about anybody doing whatever they want to do in their own lives and if players want to go to the live then awesome it's that's good for you way to go and if players don't way to go good for you it's you know it's doesn't really affect uh each other like the the sometimes the media makes it out to be that it's uh you know you've really let people down and stuff and I'm thinking who what have they done to let anybody down but anyway that's another subject uh I I I don't know. I think I mean if you Bruce Brooks Kepka is one of the best players on the planet and has been for I don't know how many years now and plays probably is one of the best players under the the light the lights than anybody since tiger. Uh, I mean, he loves the action and the bigger, the better. So, uh, I just want to, I, like I said, I want to field the best team. Um, I'm a little disappointed with all this, the way this all shook out. Um, to be honest, uh, uh, I wish it wouldn't have, but here we are. And, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I, it all, it all sounds fishy to, I think everybody, um, I, I. I, all we're doing is waiting and seeing, you know, I'm no longer a player, so I don't really have a voice, but I am a member and I, I do, uh, have feelings about it. And I, I, I just want the. I just, I think the best players to be able to play wherever they want personally, that's just my personal opinion about it. But, uh, I, I'm, I'm with probably with you and everyone else. We were all a little bit shocked the way that shook out like an overnight
1: handshake. Uh, it just seemed like I said, something smells a little fishy. Uh,
2: and i I makes me sad. It makes me sad. I, I love the tour as much as I have always, but I've always been a little apprehensive with how much I go because, uh, because there were some things about the tour that I didn't really particularly care for. So, uh, nothing's perfect in this world. And I see nothing wrong. We have, we have so many golfers right now in this, in this world that for, for anyone to, to make numbers go lower, like our tours doing, uh, we should be expanding, not, not taking the numbers down. I mean, uh, but I, again i don't know who's in charge now i don't know the tourist says they're in charge uh but if if they don't have this deal they don't have the money so
1: uh yeah yeah Yeah. who has the money makes the rules right
2: well unfortunately isn't that just it's it's
1: terrible
2: to to say that and hear it yeah here we are right uh i'm I think everybody can survive. I think that we, honestly, years ago we said this, but way back when we had wanted to start a players' association uh, because we didn't have a union, but we wanted some a voice from the players. And there were some great ideas in that room of 107 guys at that meeting we had in Canada, and talking about how how we could really make a boom here and. Uh, get the players involved and get voices and it got squelched. When was that? So, wow, that was that was at the I know we were in Canada at Glen Abbey at the Canadian Open. And believe it or not, before Rich Lerner was the guy on golf channel, actually before golf channel. When when we came out of that meeting, he was right there to get everybody's vibe on what the heck happened. Cause it was a huge it was the biggest meeting I've been to in my 20 years on the tour that was voluntary and guys came with facts and figures. And it was a big, it was a big deal. I mean, it was a huge deal. And
4: was that because at the time you guys were kind of concerned that you didn't have a, a large enough voice in what was going on on tour?
2: Yes, we did actually, we had zero voice, but we kept being told that we, we had plenty of voice, but yet our, our voice went on the wayside. It, was, it wasn't her, really heard, so we had this we have this board that uh, we never got to see any you know, they said the players voted on the board, we never got to see any of the votes. you know, certain guys kept Davis had five Davis love had five consecutive terms. Nothing against Davis. I'm just thinking maybe we could have had somebody else in there uh, with more ideas, newer, newer, better, or maybe the same. Who knows? But uh, we didn't, I questioned a lot of things and it really made me back up a little bit. And uh, uh, although I love, believe me, I love the tour, love the tour, Um, everything I, I, I got through the tour, I earned every making tour school, paying money, doing everything, you know, you earn everything you do unless you're getting exemptions and stuff. And I wasn't that. So I I like the tour because I did earn everything I got. Everything I did, I was so uh, and now now you see the tour, and how much money there is in television and everything else. And I'm just thinking, well, wow, we could have five tours. I mean, tennis has different tournaments going on at the same time around the world and point values most of the time are, are the same. And and we we're, we're in a weird area of skewing our point systems towards the guys that already have the points. So I, I'm I'm anxious to see what happens. I sure hope it works out. I mean, I like I said, I have a son that wants to has aspirations of someday playing the tour. So I want this to work out for him too, and every other young golfer. I want everybody to have a fair go at it and a fair shot. And the tour's not the tour is dictated by our top stars, but that's not that's not just the tour. The tour is two hundred and some guys that are they've given cards to so that the tour is a big number of players. And, and I think, uh, it's probably scared the tour a little bit because all of a sudden, if the players did have a voice, it would, it might overrule some of the decisions made, who knows, really in in hindsight, looking back.
4: Uh, you think things will change now that tiger is involved?
2: Well, I, I think there's a ways to go, but my God, how can Tiger being on the board be a bad thing? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, uh, if he was just some young kid that came out and was a superstar, but he's, he's grown up on the tour. I mean, he, I know he's a superstar and he might have different thoughts. I also think he's a pretty smart guy and I think that he's a fair person and I think that he, he'll show some uh, interest in everyone. That's on the tour,
1: not just the the top um, thirty guys or whatever it's going to be now. Um,
2: I'm, uh, we'll see. I just think it's, I think having him on the board is, like I said, certainly won't hurt. I think it helps a ton. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll see. I have, I I have my own opinions on things, and you know, I'm I would probably get in an argument with other guys on the tour or that were my vintage that played the tour, but uh, I'm just all about seeing the best players play whenever I can. And if they're in Asia playing or if they're in Phoenix playing, I want to watch them. I want to see them. I don't, you know, if they're together, great. And if they're not, these are the best players from here. And those are the best players from there. And,
1: uh, you know, you could maybe end up getting a little NFL AFL right there, there you go
2: i mean who know who knows i just i know this i don't hold anything against anybody for going to any tour the europeans did it they came to our tour the the pga tour so i mean it's kind of where you go you go you know you go where it's happening right so i'm i'm all about everybody there's enough money to go around for everyone
1: including you and i <laughs>
4: <laughs> Indeed. Mark, before I let you go, and before we get to hear the Mark Weeby show on, on Sirius XM's PGA Tour <laughs> channel, how can our listeners stay up to date with what you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media?
2: Well, I'm, I'm a big uh, Instagram person. I like my, uh, mine's just Mark Weeby Golf. Um, I do a little bit on X, I guess it's called now, and I, I try to do Facebook, but I'm, I'm older. I can only do so much. <laughs> uh, I like posting and I like, uh, you know, I pay attention to, uh, to current golf. And, and I, I like putting some stuff up there that I have my beliefs in. And, you know, I got my buddies that, and, and other students that I've had that are saying, can't you help, you know, so-and-so with their putting? <laughs> and I said, I could, they just haven't called yet. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I do most of my stuff is on Instagram, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm teaching here at Rio Verde. I'm getting ready for, to get a brand new knee put in. My left knee is getting a I'm getting a new one on September 11th. And then uh, hopefully I'll be up and at them after that. And then I'll be teaching here at Rio Verde Country Club in Rio Verde, Arizona.
4: Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. You're fantastic, my friend. It's been 12 times, and I'm already looking forward to number 13. I hope we get to do that a little bit later on this year after the new knee is in and healed and people are out there on your practice tee again.
2: You're awesome, buddy. Thanks so much, and I'll look look forward to lucky 13. There you go.
4: Take care, Mark. All the best to you, your family, your new grandbaby, and everybody there in the Weeby family. We'll catch up soon.
2: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, buddy.
4: See you, Mark. That is the great Mark Weeby, folks. Again, at Mark Wiebe Golf on Instagram is how you can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling that thing now. It's at Mark Wiebe 33. He is, uh, he is a treasure. I love Mark. He has become a, such a wonderful friend of this show again. He's been on 12 times now. Like I say, I'm already looking forward to number 13. He's a great instructor. When he gets that new knee, I'm sure he'll be back out there and, and helping folks. And I love the fact that he was he was uh, texting with uh, Rocco to give him a little pointer on, uh, on his putting. And I, I tell you what, now that I know what a great uh, putting instructor is, I'm going to hit Mark up for, uh, for help out with my putting. But uh, he's a great guy and a great family man. And Gunner's doing great. He, he's had a great season. So I'm looking forward to catching up with, uh, like I say, Mark again, hopefully. Coming up next is one of the young, bright female stars in our game, and that's Gabby Powell. She is the co-host of the Three Courses show out there available on golfnation.com. Before I get to Gabby, let me remind you about our friends over at Squares Golf. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speedbolt at Squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z A I-R-Z.com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low-country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strantz designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special. And book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Gabby Powell. Gabby is the co-star of the new Golf Nation Series 3 courses, which you can watch out on GolfNation.com. She and her co-host Hannah Liner, who will join me here in a couple of weeks, They've done three episodes so far, including one right here in Atlanta, along with episodes in Phoenix and San Diego. Prior to joining Golf Nation, Gabby played her college golf at Florida International University from 2017 to 2021. There, her average score every year improved. She majored in marketing. She had several top 10 finishes while she was there playing in college. Plus, in the South Florida PGA Junior Tournament, she was practically a weekly top 10 finisher. She also is a long drive specialist, where she's hammered drives over 360 yards. She's the co-founder of the Forward Tees Foundation, and I'm thrilled to get to have her with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Gabby, thanks for coming on the show. Hey,
3: Chris, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. How's it going?
4: It's going really well. Tell me about you. My goodness, the oh, things that goodness. you're doing now—you you, you got to be one of the most busy people in the golf industry.
3: Ah, oh, I'd say pretty close to it. Um, I've kind of actually been all over the world this year and it's just amazing how that tiny little ball could take you all over the world
4: let's go back i want to start at the beginning with you i'm always interested to hear the story because you are such an accomplished player when did you first start playing the game and who was the first person to put a club in your hand
3: yeah so um i didn't start playing golf till i was about 15 years old so i started later than most of the girls um I played basketball growing up competitively and I got into that freshman year high school and realized like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to play this in college. My body was beaten up and I just kind of was burnt out. So my mom actually came to me, suggested golf. She heard a lot of girl golf scholarships get thrown away each year or go unused, let's say. Um, And my high school team was looking for girl golfers and I was like, okay, fine, like I'll try it. And I go to the range for the first time and I actually got the ball in the air and I just fell in love with the game of golf, uh, made it on the high school team and a lot of sweat and tears. I'll tell you that, um, really, really worked my butt off on trying to get better and my dad played a little bit of golf growing up, but nothing crazy. But once I got into the game, that's when he really started getting into it more, of course, and was helping me. Um, and then of course, you know getting family memberships at golf courses was important to you know really be able to work at the game and for me to be able to practice every day and really just for me it was to really get that experience on the golf course and be to be able to play right because I was so behind in the sense of not much experience on the golf course to be able to get scores going Um, so that's kind of where it all started and From there, I, you know, had the ambition and determination to play in college and I reached out and I knew I wanted to stay in Florida for college. So I, you know, for me as a, you know, more beginner golfer wanting to play in college, I had to reach out to the college coaches when let's say, you know, some girls, you know, the top junior girls are having colleges come to them. It was different for me. So I was reaching out to coaches you know, making a little golf resume, playing in as many, you know, junior events as I could to be able to get some good scores up there. And then that's where I came to uh, commit to FIU and played four years there.
4: You got good really quickly for someone who came to the game later on. And like I mentioned in the South Florida section, you were a top five, top 10 player in their tournaments pretty consistently throughout your junior career. I I know you said you was through blood, sweat and tears, but for most of us, it takes about 10 years just to get bad at the game. (laughs) You, you rose up pretty darn quickly.
3: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't think during high school and once I made it on that high school team, I don't think there was a day that went by that I wasn't hitting a golf ball, um, Every single day I was working at the game and I, I knew I need to play in as many events and practice as much as I could to be able to even get close to the level of some of the other girls I've been playing since they were maybe five years old. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, from let's just say sophomore year when I started, I think, you know, during high school, there are nine hole matches, but districts, regional states or 18 holes, I think sophomore year, my first year of playing, I think I maybe shot 120. And then to senior year, I think I shot 76. So it it was I'm telling you, it was a grind for sure.
4: And you clearly hammer the golf ball. Have you always had a powerful swing or was that one of the things that you were out there trying to develop?
3: Yes, um, I've actually, I've always been technically a long hitter. And I think actually that's why initially my the FIU golf coach came out to watch me because he didn't really believe that I, you know, could hit the ball to 60 driver. Um, so I've kind of always been a long hitter, like, especially in tournament play, um, especially with the irons. Um, and then, you know, going into the long drive story, that's something, you know, different. We can get into that, you know, if you want, (laughs) but yeah, I've always been considered a long hitter in golf. I guess it's just maybe the jumps from basketball that got me there.
4: <laughs> so when did the realization hit you? You know what? I can hit the ball an awfully long way. Let me go ahead and give this long drive thing a chance.
3: Yeah. So I actually um, had a couple friends, some of the guys that were in long drive, and it never really came to my mind to try and do it. Um, but I actually had Anthony Livingston, who's on the senior division of World Long Drive, reach out to me last April to come out to the hope sound event um, which is in my hometown to come out and do social media for the event because he wanted some more, you know, eyeballs on the event here in hope sound. And I said, Hey, no problem. Um, You know, I would love to. And he was like, well, why don't you compete? Like we need a couple more ladies to compete in hope sound like you should compete. And I was like, well, I don't know. I've never done that before. Like, I don't know. And he's like, no, no, no. I'll give you a couple, you know, um, lessons and, uh, you know, show you kind of the ropes. Um, you should try it. I'm like, all right, well, what do I got to lose? And keep in mind, this was two weeks before the competition. So I was like, all right, let's do this. So I'll go out. He teaches me kind of how to swing longer, swing harder and kind of like using a longer shaft and be able to get that feel. And I go out to my first, the event, Hope Sound. And, I was super, I wasn't even nervous. I think it was more the adrenaline was just pumping. Okay. So I go out to my first set. I get up on the tee box, barely could tee up the first ball because I was shaking so bad with all the adrenaline, got it up. And I think I had my longest ball of the competition in my first set of 318 yards because of just all the adrenaline. And I ended up making it all the way to the finals and getting second place by six yards in my first event ever. And just absolutely fell in love with it. So I was like, well, I can't stop now. Like uh when's the next event? <laughs>
4: <laughs> when I was doing the research, you're actually over 360 yards in some of the events, correct?
3: Yeah, I had my PR uh, personal record in Denver back in June at 367.
4: That's crazy. Okay, so now I gotta ask you, I was gonna ask you about this a little bit later, but you're dating Adam Svenson. I I got to imagine you got him a couple of times off the tee when you're playing together.
3: Oh yeah, for sure.
4: So how does that play when you outdrive Adam?
3: Um, you know, uh, we <laughs> it depends. We're both we're both really competitive out there. Uh, so it just more of a fun competitive aspect to it
4: wow you're you're, you're being awfully kind i got to imagine because <laughs> goodness knows if my wife out drove me by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> i would never hear the end of that it wouldn't matter oh, yeah. if i beat her 99 times out of 100 that drive would come up every conversation oh yeah earlier this year you get to caddy with for Adam at the Masters, par three. I guess the National is my favorite place on the planet. That place is tremendous. You get out there. Not only are you caddying for Adam in the par three, you hit a golf shot on the ninth <laughs> hole. What was that like? Talk about if if it were me. Talk about nerves trying to put a peg in the ground. And first of all, you're you're not only doing that, you're doing that. you're, you're swinging cold, but you get to step yeah. up and do that. What was that experience like?
3: honestly i was more nervous on the first tee box caddying than when i got up to that golf shot and as crazy as that sounds but i was just the environment and being out there on the course and like being a caddy i was like oh man i hope i don't put the flag in wrong when i put a flag in the hole (laughs) a million times but still you know like those are kind of the things running through my mind and uh once i got to the last hole i wasn't as nervous I mean, I was a bit nervous over the shot, um, but I, you know, I, I'm not going to try and play big ball here, but like I've worked, you know, I work a lot of charity events and I hit golf balls in front of a lot of people all the time. Um, And I got to say, even there was definitely adrenaline there, of course, got to say there was definitely adrenaline and nerves. Um, I was just hoping to get it over the water, to be honest. So that's kind of was the goal. And I, you know, obviously flew it way over the green, but Hey, I think that's better than being in the water.
4: It is. I agree with you there. So let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your new show on golf nation. It's called three courses. How'd that opportunity come your way?
3: Um, yeah. So Hannah and I have, uh, done a lot of stuff together and we were kind of filming some other YouTube stuff and, uh, We actually met Jock, which is the director of three courses, through doing some other filming. And we we just had that relationship where that kind of came about of us coming on the three courses.
4: Hannah was your teammate when you guys were at FIU. And during one of the episodes, she talks about being a little uncomfortable now being even though you guys are just playing and there's betting going on. It's dinner, drinks or whatever it is not comfortable being on the opposite side, having to play against you because you guys are so used to being a great team together. Talk about now having the opportunity to kind of jab at each other a little bit and maybe win a bet from her when you guys are doing one of the episodes.
3: Um, I mean, we can get competitive with each other. And I feel like we're not only competitive with each other on the course, but we are off the course just to try and make each other better. But yes, I can say usually we are teammates and even nowadays in scramble events, we are teammates and we know we're a domination together. So that's why when we're going against each other, it's kind of like, eh, we'd rather be teammates because we know how to hype each other up and make birdies together. But it's all fun and games. You know, we always want each other to do the best that we
1: can.
4: You guys ask three questions at the top of each show. Where are we playing? What are we eating? And can I have a drink now? Talk about getting to sample the best of the local fare in each of the cities you get to travel to.
3: Oh yes, it was absolutely amazing to be able to you know, obviously when you go to a new city or new place, you want to be able to try new places, right? It's like if you're in a new city, you don't really want to go to Olive Garden. You know what I mean? Not no shame <laughs> like no no hate to Olive Garden, but like you want to try something new, something something exciting so yeah being in arizona phoenix or atlanta and san diego like it was just so awesome to be able to kind of see the even the scenery of in the different towns and the you know differences and just have a new taste of flavor in each town
4: yeah so as you mentioned the third episode was filmed here in atlanta i'm in atlanta You got to go out and be at the Bobby Jones golf course, only a few years old here in Atlanta after they went through the redesign. But what'd you think of the Bobby Jones course when you guys got to go out there and play it?
3: Oh, it was awesome. I mean, I love the reversible nine setup. Um, course was in great shape and it's just really fun and easy to just go out and play quick nine. Um, which actually the world long drive championship is going to be at Bobby Jones coming up here in October, October 18th. To the twenty second
4: when you two were out there in San Diego for the second episode, you visited a seventy year old golf course called Goat Hill Golf Club, and as was said in the show, it's the most chill course in San Diego because no dress code. dogs are allowed on the golf course. What'd you think of Goat Hill?
3: Yeah, I mean, I love the chill vibe type of courses. Um, it just makes you feel more at home, more relaxed, be able to go out there have some fun. And, you know, I mean, it's definitely a different vibe than going to, you know, maybe a private country club. You get to just relax, have a couple of drinks, meet some other people. It's just super lax, lax really close to the beach out there. Um, the weather was awesome. Like it, it couldn't have been better out there.
4: It actually looked like it was kind of cold. I thought I saw at one scene that uh, Hannah had like a blanket on her. It seemed like it may have not been the the traditional it's 75 and sunny here in San Diego.
3: Oh, uh, it was a little chilly, but Hey, it, it's definitely a nice change, especially when, uh, you know, where I'm from in Florida, you're, you're always sweating out the golf course. So it was definitely, <laughs> definitely a nice change.
4: You've had those three episodes drop so far. Are you allowed to give us a glimpse into what cities you might be visiting in upcoming episodes?
3: Um, no, not yet. Um, I guess you're just going to have to stay tuned and see.
4: (laughs) All right. That's fair. As you've mentioned, some long drive events coming up, talk about what's on the horizon for you.
3: Um, I just finished out in Kingsport, Tennessee, which was one of the three, the first of the three major championships, basically for long drive. Next is in Oceanside, San Diego, um, October 1st, I believe. So currently preparing for that and then uh world championships and actually bobby jones in atlanta october 18th
4: outside of the long drive events and the things that you're doing with three courses there on golf nation do you have other things going on other things that may be going on with in the golf nation platform or outside of it
3: um nothing currently just uh really working on you know personal brand stuff and uh long drive and you know looking forward to you know being able to travel as much as i can before the end of the year
4: gabby before i let you go let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing whether it's following you online it's on golf nation or over social media
3: yep uh you guys can find me anywhere at gabby powell g-a-b-i-p-o-w-e-l-1-l a lot of people mistake that but um yeah i'm instagram twitter tiktok youtube all the same at gabby powell
4: well, Gabby, it's been great having you part of, as part of the show tonight. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you down the road a little bit. Uh, you're a lot of fun and you're doing a lot of great stuff. We'd love to stay up to date with what you're doing.
3: Awesome. Really appreciate it, Chris. All
4: right. Take care, Gabby. All the best to you and Adam. Look forward to catching up with you again soon.
3: Thanks. Bye.
4: See ya. That is Gabby Powell. Again, G-A-B-I-P-O-W-E-L is how you can follow her on social media golfnation.com is, is the platform. Three Courses is the name of the show. And again, they've, they've dropped three episodes so far. Started out in Phoenix, went to uh, San Diego, and now here in Atlanta. And shout out to our friend Jason Kuyper, who is the director of instruction over there at the Bobby Jones Golf Course. He's fantastic. We've had the privilege of having him on the show a couple of times. Hopefully we get that privilege again real soon. But shout out to Rich Katz for helping set up the interviews with both Gabby and Hannah again in a couple of weeks. And shout out to the folks over at the Bobby Jones Golf Course, a wonderful facility, great golf course, great practice facilities, a wonderful putting green that you get to practice on there as well. Hopefully we get the opportunity to get out there again soon and uh, looking forward to having Gabby back as part of the show. She's fantastic. We'll catch up with her again soon. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And another one that stood out to me is On Point Golf, game-changing, three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furick and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again. To Tom Patry, Terry Hashimoto, Mark Wiebe, and Gabby Powell for joining me this week. Next week, I'll actually be out in L.A. My brother-in-law has stage four colon cancer that is spread to his liver. So we're going to be at City of Hope while uh, he has surgery. That'll put him back on the road to being cancer-free. I believe that that is exactly what's going to happen. And for those of you who do believe, please say a prayer for him. I'll be back here on the show the following week for a special Ladies' Night Out edition. Of next on the T because scheduled to join me then are top fifty LPGA instructor Kelly Stenzel. We'll be back on the show. Been trying to get Kelly back on for a while now, so it's going to be great to finally get an opportunity to catch up with her. Seven time Canadian ladies' long drive champion, Lisa Longball of will make a long overdue return to the show. And like I mentioned earlier, Gabby Powell's co host on three courses, Hannah Liner will join me as well. So it's going to be a really fun show, folks. I hope you'll come back and join us and be a part of it with us. Folks, you can find this show available as a podcast just about everywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on triblive.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audioboom, Player.fm, and on Good Pods. And my thanks to those folks for making this show one of their recommended podcasts please download their free app and stream your favorite podcast right there on your favorite device. But most of all, my sincere thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until two weeks from now, hit them straight, my friends.